All right, Bon Appetit Foodcast, and I am Adam Rappaport. You know what? It's November 14th, which means we're like one week and one day away from Thanksgiving. So today, we've got all the turkey and mashed potatoes and stuffing that you can handle. First, we got Carla Music and Chris Morocco from the BA Test Kitchen to talk about our new favorite recipes from the latest issue of Bon Appetit. And then Chris and Carla will answer questions from you guys, our listeners, uh, who emailed us in the past couple weeks about all those sort of Thanksgiving essentials and how to master the big meal. But before we get started, I wanted to let you know that we'll be airing a bonus episode. Yes, a bonus episode this Friday with even more Thanksgiving content. Because after all, it is the best food holiday of the year. So look out for that this Friday. Uh, and now let's do this. Here is Carla and Chris. Carla, welcome back to the pod. Pleasure to be here as always. As always. And we got Chris Morocco here. Hey, thank you. Tag team. All right, guys. Here's what Chris we're going to do. Not just Chris Morocco, but Chris Morocco with timer and pen. I just wanted to seem ready. <laughs> <laughs> Tucked into his apron that he's still wearing. He's ready. So big Thanksgiving episode. Here's what we're going to do. The first half of the episode is going to be us talking about new things to introduce to the Thanksgiving table this year. Cool. We're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back with listener questions, real listeners with real questions, kind of addressing the more nuts and bolts of the Thanksgiving meal. That work for you guys? Yeah. Yeah, it's like football, right? With the two halves. Oh, big time. And the half, wait, what's what's the halftime show? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, we got Maroon 5 this year. Yeah. Oh, Super Bowl. cool. I, I, Great. I can't even get into that. Um, all right, so we got a Thanksgiving issue out on stands right now. Bunch of new stuff, as always. So I guess my question is, Carl, I'm going to throw this to you first, like a pass. I'm going to okay. pass this to you. Okay, cool. You're going to hut. Over no, to me? no, I'm not gonna no, 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 I'm not gonna hut hut anything. Okay, so like at the Lolly household at Thanksgiving, what is like the policy in terms of introducing new dishes to the table each year compared to having to have certain dishes that always return? That is like the Tom Brady of your table that will always be there. Okay, I don't know what that means except for Deflate Gate. But hey, why you, why do you whoa, have to whoa, go whoa. there? Why go there? <laughs> he's Tom the greatest Brady, of all time. Tom Brady, Come on, he's, back he, off. He, the point is he's the GOAT and he's been around forever and he's 41 years old and he's still playing. Okay, I don't care who you are, but if you want to bring something new to the lollies, you it's already too late. You needed to start lobbying in like l- like early December of the previous year. You have to, you're you're, you have to sell them on it. You're going to want to set a foundation. That was such a great meal. It was epic. It was the X. It was Y. It was Z. Next year, would we blah, blah, blah. And then maybe check in in the spring, late summer. Does this mean like you and your sister or guests? Oh, no. Like, guests aren't allowed. <laughs> <laughs> so they mean even like family members have to lobby Carol for oh, inclusion? Oh, oh, that's who else is there. It's like oh all of us. And it's not. No, Carol's easy. Carol's like. Loves new things, loves flavor, loves recipes, loves to try stuff. Frank is like Frank. the OG. It's Frank. Frank is oh, so gosh. he's like, but if I we had if we had that, does that mean that we wouldn't have the this? And it's yeah. like, what? Me? Yes. Are you and trying he's to like, say? Well, I don't know if I can have. No. You're, you're trying to say like Frank Lolly is like the Frank Sinatra of the hell. So he's just like he he does it his way. Oh, his way. Get it? Ooh, and oh, that's and that's that. He's just like looks forward to certain things at certain meals, and if he doesn't get that then it's like kind of shocking. However, a couple of dishes that I introduced when I hosted, I'm not hosting this year, but when I did host, I made um, I made Andy Baragani's smashed double cooked oh, sweet, potatoes sweet potatoes with the yeah. tomb. 
and uh, very un, unexpectedly, they're spicy and they're they're bitter and they're charred and they have this like punchy, delicious garlicky. punchy. Yeah, mm. and Frank loved them. He was like, "Oh, we have wow. to have these every yeah. year. These are fantastic." Yeah. I'm actually, without having talked to anybody. Um, kind of on the side strategizing just showing up with a second turkey. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's the thing. Can't you just crash? Can't you just just bring something? She she might not be invited back next year. Yeah, that's the the risk, right? So, all right. So we got a bunch of new dishes in this current issue. And so I want to, not being a test kitchen editor, not being the guy who's developing these things, I don't know how they're made. You know, I see them. Maybe I get a nibble, but I want to get some more insider information from you guys because I am sort of, uh, we are hosting this year the Rapid Buck household. And, um, you know, I I like to mix things up a little bit, not too much. So I'm just going to throw some out there and I want to hear from you guys. All right. Absolutely. Okay. First up, I'm very intrigued by the parsnip confit with pickled currants. A, because I think parsnips are totally underrated. B, I will eat anything that is confit. Great. So parsnips are not even underrated. They're just like not They're rated. not even rated. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not. they don't even make it. They don't. Uh, People are know. like, what is, what's a parsnip? A starchy carrot? What's the point? You know what they are? Better than sweet potatoes. Whoa. Interesting. Yeah. They're like, yeah, they're like a, they're like a potato carrot hybrid. No. They I are a them. potato carrot hybrid. Yeah. I agree with that. So this was... I will take some responsibility for inspiring this and then half I think torturing. You, I think... <laughs> Carla, I think you were like, listen, there's going to be parsnip confit on the menu. Yeah. So let's get it together so here, you, people. So, yes. yeah. So, how do you do it? So, you take parsnips, which I've done, a, we did a, a deep dive on what makes a good parsnip and or not. And the answer is you just don't know until you get them. So, just get all the ones. There's no picking. Yeah. The they're good like, ones. they're like thick, knobby yellow carrots. Yeah. Kind sometimes of. they're woody in the middle. Sometimes they're, that happens with the big ones, mm. but it also is a storage thing. So, just like, just don't. Don't worry about it. Just get the parsnips and we worked a thing into the recipe where you cut out the core if it's woody. Big deal. You get your parsnips, you peel them, you quarter them. If they seem like they have a woody core, you take that out and then you cook them low and slow in olive oil. And like fully submerged? Fully submerged. And cool. you can do that. What I like about this is that you can do it very f- weeks. You can do it sure. now. Do it today. Mm. And they become completely tender, but also... You know, because they are starchy, they're taking on this olive oil, so they've got this like real beautiful richness to them. And then you can get a really nice sear. So you can you take them out of their confit oil, and then they just need to get a little bit of color. And the garish that that Molly Boz. So came you're kind of you're, you're browning them to finish them. Just they've to finish. already cooked through, so you're just like kind of getting that nice sear, sear. caramelization yeah. and whatnot. Exactly, because they're filled with fat and yeah. they've mm. got a lot of their own natural sweetness, so they're going to take on color but, really quickly. But good healthy fat. Oh sure, oh, yeah. all of the you know they came out of the earth, big yeah. deal. Olive oil. So and then the um, condiment that Molly came up with after being tortured slash tasked with this recipe is a, a really bright acidic current vinegary garnish that is just balances everything out and it feels very seasonal to me too all right i'm gonna I'm, this i just realized this are um, you gonna make them well yes i'm gonna make them but you b are? yes but this is very similar to our favorite duck confit recipe oh yeah in yes. bon Appetit, where you mm-hmm. finish them with like pickled that's right like Those raisins mustard. yeah it's sort of like spicy similar. raisins with that because that vinegar and that sweetness helps cut through all the rich fattiness. Totally. And that, that, you should also search for that recipe for the duck confit recipe on Bon Appetit, which is phenomenal with pickled raisin, pickled yeah. raisins or whatever they are. Yes. Okay, so <laughs> I, I, I am very intrigued by that. I am definitely making that. This is something we kind of do. Chris, I'm going to throw this one to you maybe. Yeah, sure. um, Simone and I have riffed on this one, but 
sauteed or stir-fried Brussels sprouts, which is different than the typical whole or halved mm -hmm. Brussels sprouts, which I think most people would do, correct? Sure. I mean, I think this is the kind of dish that can convince, you know, a major Brussels sprout skeptic, you know, because when you separate the leaves, you're able to get this really quick kind of crunchy sear on Well, well let's talk about when you separate. Well, the thing is, okay, so, you know, yeah, so a lot of people roast Brussels sprouts halves because frankly, it's a lot less work. But if you take the root end off and then separate the leaves, you know, from that kind of central core. And having done this, you are literally doing this by hand. And you can do it kind of quickly, but you're what, literally- like you're gonna do it by machine? No, but <laughs> I'm saying- oh By RoboCoo. Hey, yeah, people have a- this is By not child. The, oh my gosh. This, I'm just saying, this is not like a Cuisinart sort of thing where you're making a slaw. You're no. literally separating each individual leaf and you're kind of, you're pulling each sort of- what are the heads? Yeah, yeah, the, the heads, little you're tiny heads pulling, of cabbage, yeah. pulling the heads apart. And so then, after several minutes, <laughs> and hopefully you have like your kid or someone helping. You have For a sure. big bowl of little petals, little Brussels mm -hmm. petals. Yeah, and then they just sear in a completely different way. Where in that they're in that leaf form. So, and also when you separate them into leaves, I mean this this could be whatever, maybe twelve heads of Brussels sprouts. There, you know, like you get a lot of volume. You know, as long as you're not overcooking them, yeah. and they get that charred edge. And then these are finished so simply. We put a little touch of walnut oil, you know, or you could use olive or sesame oil for a little bit of that kind of toasty, nutty flavor, a little bit of lemon. And it's the simplest, yeah. but one of the most satisfying kind of sides you could do. This is, yeah, this this also a version of this has become a staple in our household and Simone's big into it every year. And like I said, it's labor intensive at first, but then it cooks so quickly because you just, it's like it's, if you have a wok or something, perfect, yeah. really high heat. Because you want it to stay kind of crispy and crisp. You don't and, want them yeah. to steam. No, you want and what's direct it, and, and heat And that's contact. what happens to most exactly. Brussels sprouts, or especially if you ever go to like a pub in London, you get the Brussels sprouts, and they're just oh. kind of soggy and, and they get smelly, that farty, cabbagey yeah. thing. That's no when they offense. go gassy. That's yeah. why I didn't like Brussels sprouts my whole life because they were boiled. anytime they steam yeah. or yeah. boil. Anytime there's like that like, introduction of water, uh, it's, smell it's bad them, news. You smell them um, before you see them. Yeah, you know? sure. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think this is a cool modern, if you will. Yeah, crunchy, treatment. really fresh. And this is kind of something sweet. that you guys do at home we too, do this, right? And when it's time to do this dish, it's also one of those those sides that you put in the work a few days ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Again, going back to the football, just make sure there's some football. <laughs> you could do this Monday night. You're trying to say you're game planning. Yeah. 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 Or you're game prepping. Game because prepping. You're, you're, you're watching the game and you're coring and you're separating. And then those bags. Are you, are you the Bill Belichick of the Lolly household? I don't know. He's a little, he's a little grumpy. Yeah. Carla. Carla can get a little grumpy and bossy. <laughs> a little um, territorial around the test kitchen. You think? So, oh, but no. So what I like, yeah. As like, long as I have the headset, I'm good. You get a headset. What I, and I, what I've learned from the BA kitchen over the years is you have whatever greens or let's say in this case, uh, your Brussels petals. I like to call them petals. Put those in a Ziploc bag and push all the air out and seal it, and it's yeah. like they're vacuum sealed. Totally, and they stay like super fresh. They'll be great, also because they are a cabbage. They're they're yeah. hardy. They're, they're not, not going to wilt on yeah. you, and that's a Monday night thing that's done. And then in between, you know, when you're done with your cocktail hangout, nuts and whatever crab dip you're having, and then you at my house we bust out the two biggest um, cast iron skillets and uh, two batches, and then that's one of the last things that goes on the. Buffet. I feel like you can't have too much lemon juice at the end to really brighten it up. It's a great hit. It never yeah. hurts. Okay, um, I'm really intrigued. Now, as you can tell, we're starting with sides. Broccoli Caesar. That's mm. one of those recipe names I hear that, and I'm like, ooh. ooh. Talk to yeah. me about the broccoli Caesar. 
We, uh, you know, I love a raw side and I feel, you know, I know we're going to get into this later, but people are looking for make ahead kind of solutions, you know, to like what they can make ahead, what they can do ahead, you know, and like obviously Brussels sprouts, you know, like peeling and separating those leaves. Absolutely. But a raw side, it's just so little prep involved. You're making a dressing and then you're taking raw broccoli, slicing it so that you can get all that kind of stem and all that kind of crispy, you know, kind of tender, like inner stem. Question. Yeah. When you say slicing, are we like, do you need a mandolin or can you no, do this by no, hand? No, no, absolutely nice. by hand. You just kind of want to carve off the tops of the florets because mm-hmm. if you kind of chop those two roughly, then you get those little bitty floret, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, kind yeah, of pieces yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Not not the end of the world, but, you know, so if you just kind of carve off the tips of the florets of the flowers and then just working down the length of the stalk, you know, just slicing thinly, but by hand with a knife, you know, and peeling any bit of stalk where you get that hard, tough kind of broccoli, you know, yeah. dinosaur skin. You know, I always like to peel my broccoli, uh, the, the stem, center stem yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then chop those into coins. Absolutely, because yeah. it's delicious. I mean, yeah. broccoli stem could be its own so vegetable. Overlooked. You know? yeah. And then it's it's a classic Caesar dressing. I mean, the anchovies are optional, and I know you know they can be like kind of divisive at Thanksgiving. I mean, I think that was the one critique we had of it in the beginning. It was kind of like you know more than a couple anchovies, and all of a sudden it's like, wait, does this belong at Thanksgiving? Right. But a couple anchovies, no problem. Just yeah. gives you a little bit of that kind of um, umami. Yeah, yeah I, think, I want I, anchovies mixing with my gravy. I personally. think a good personally. Yeah. Well, I'm 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 a little. <laughs> particular about my anchovy uh sort of level at, but i think i do think a good caesar the dressings like ooh, that's delicious as opposed to ooh, that's anchovy you know what i mean yes and yeah. the other thing so this 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 recipe in particular has already because i get advanced you know exposure to these recipes this broccoli caesar has been in heavy rotation at in the music household oh really and the children love it and they don't know there's anchovies in it carla gets to read the other team's playbook i I feel like (laughs) i need to get marlon to do like a exchange program with cosmo or something where we trade kids (laughs) yeah that would be cool you need to like you need to break him like a mustang okay (laughs) yeah i think you know if you see another kid eating something you might not know yeah. So so yeah. So it's kind of like kind of a slaw that's then tossed yeah, in the dressing, exactly. and you do some shaved parm at the end. Is parm allowed at the Thanksgiving table? Yes. Absolutely. Really? Why not? Absolutely. I, yeah, just, we got soy like, sauce in the gravy this year. Everything. Yeah, but you don't. Good. But you don't know what's in there. It's but, just like, ooh, what's that? But what is par? I mean, it's, it's salty. Cheese. cheese from Italy. From, sure. <laughs> from the Parma <laughs> region of Italy. why wouldn't it be allowed on the table? Because it's just so explicitly Italian, like Italy Italian. I think you can tell a lot about a house and and the family that that is hosting by some of the traditions that make it to the table. Like also, that sautéed Brussels sprout leaves like is a, a thing that we always did. Italians love their cabbages and their cruciferous things. Mm-hmm. And like we didn't roast the Brussels, we sautéed them like escarole. Mm-hmm. We didn't know what to do kind of growing up because my grandma was just like, it's it's Thanksgiving, a.k.a. it's a big meal. I'm going to serve yeah. you tortellini and brodo, <laughs> a pork roast, a pasta dish, and then I, I'm going to give you Thanksgiving dinner as well. I just feel like in America, the Italians get the other 364 days a year in our table, you know? It's like I'm always, like I'm never not eating olive oil and Parmesan cheese, so maybe, whatever, that's just me. I okay. love the idea that there's just like a turkey because they're supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I need a drink. In the new issue, you have something called a fall spritz that apparently Molly Boz was obsessed with creating. Yes, Molly Boz broke it down. Two ingredient, 
one of these cocktails that you're like, why hasn't why I had this before? Yeah, I can has cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> why hasn't I had a Verna and a and nice dry, dry cider? Tart yeah, cider. so yeah, so Molly, I'm reading a poll quote. This cocktail was inspired by my love of the spritz, which I think is a pretty popular thing among folks now. Speaking of the Italians again, which I'm always trying to steer into fall. Uh, here, this mm. this Spanish cider is a dry, funky counterpart to the herbal amaro. Uh, Amaro is also very popular these days, I would very. say, again with the Italians. And it makes for a drink that's easygoing enough to sip all day. So what I like about this is, A, two ingredients. B, it's on ice. Yep. C, Molly's last point, like, if you're, like, hitting, like, the Jack Daniels or the Kettle oh, One yeah. at 2, 2 p.m. God that, bless you. Yeah. Like, by 5 p.m., you're, you're just done. face down on the sofa. There is always someone who will be asleep at the table, and you know, <laughs> God bless them. But I don't want it to be me. You know, um, I like it's low alcohol. It's very refreshing, and you can also just tell people to go mix their own. There's like no big thing about go f- go fix yourself a drink. Go fix yourself. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. yeah. Go fix. Um, okay. All right. This next dish, you're gonna have to sell me on this one because. I happened to come into the test kitchen the first day this dish was being tested, and it was an unmitigated disaster. That's what? The, you know what? The cornbread, cornbread stuffing, speaking of Molly Boz again, apparently got better, but day one was not pretty. <laughs> Allegedly, it got better. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's good enough to run in the magazine. It is, so sell it me is on totally it. delicious. What, what was wrong with the one that you saw? It was like dry and crumbly and oh. there wasn't enough it wasn't incorporated enough you know yeah. every it, there was like the the greens on the bottom and the, the bread on top and it didn't come together like a stuffing should be you get one spoonful Slightly and it's like all, custardy it's, yeah and it's all there together sure. it's like ice cream but it's like you know it's like a scoop you should be able to have a scoop of stuffing this was not that so talk to me about the development process and what's going on with this stuffing Well, I mean, she kind of had to work it from two directions, right? So first she had to develop a cornbread that was had a really nice kind of pronounced corny flavor, corny flavor, um, but wasn't too sweet, you know, and was dry enough so that you could kind of slice it and have it not be kind of cakey and kind of dense, you know, so she had to kind of work the cornbread angle of it. And then she had to put that into a stuffing and dial in how much liquid, how much egg, how much broth. So I think you caught that kind of awkward, you know, kind of, you know, teen, preteen year. The task was fix everything that's wrong with cornbread stuffing. And when that is the thing, when everyone wants to talk so much crap about cornbread stuffing and you have to just take it down to like why does cornbread stuffing suck why is it mushy why is it too sweet why does it not absorb Mm -hmm. and uh work through it it was a real bottom-up experience i think you maybe had it at the bottom yeah Yeah. and but uh, what i and that's also uh, a little insight into how the test kitchen works is that things are tested again and again and again until they work and in this case I got that very first step. You're like, all right, let's try to make some homemade cornbread. And then th- this recipe calls for uh, sausage and collard greens, of which that I like helps. both. And there's like a cre- some creaminess going on there. So, so you so you have the cornbread, then you're sautéing the greens. Mm-hmm. And the sausage, yeah. And the sausage, then you're mixing in Sweating heavy cream. Sweating in your aromatics, aromatics and stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. The collars get kind of braised a little bit with that yeah. that liquid, so they're totally tender before they go have their makeout sesh with the cornbread. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's had a few too many false spritzes today. The cream is really interesting in there because you don't see that in a lot of stuffings or dressings, whatever. And I think it is making up for a little bit of that kind of dry, dry quality that cornbread is, you know, kind of prone to have. Um, so it kind of it mitigates that and creates that richness you want. 
Um, but you can't just go buy cornbread and make great cornbread stuff. We, and we've that tried that. Like, we've yeah. tried that so many years, you know, and not to name names, but we've gotten it from stores, major, you know, uh, national chains, and it's it's always too sweet. Yeah. It's yep. always too cakey. Yep. Yeah, it, it, it's more cake than bread. Yeah. And so this is interesting. I, in, uh, what's nice about in the issue, uh, we have like a nice sort of step-by-step grid of all the different sort of uh, steps uh, involved in, in making the, the dressing from the, the braising the greens, the adding the cream, the crispy sausage, all that sort of stuff, and sort of mixing it all together. And I think that's like the big step. Uh, and I think also just one, we've talked about this before, but with stuffing, it's like always add a little bit more liquid than you think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I was talking to my buddy Joe House on his podcast recently, and I was saying I've had over the years lots of dry stuffings. I've never had a, a too moist stuffing. Like right. that has not happened. Yeah, right. too moist would probably just mean it's like you almost have like a layer of like omelet, you know, kind of pooled around the bottom and set, you yeah. know, but it, it doesn't happen. Me. It doesn't yeah. happen that often. And it's not that big a risk to run. You know what they say about stuffing? No. Evaporation's a bitch. No, I see. They don't. They don't <laughs> say that. No one says that. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Um, <laughs> speaking of stuffing, the other best thing. All right. Stuffing's like, hmm. Either the best thing on the table or it's 1A. There's 1 and 1A. The other, its counterpart would be the potatoes. And in this year, not only do we have mashed potatoes and how to do them ahead, and I think we'll get to that in the second half of this segment, but Chris, you've got this, 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 I don't know. I don't know if this is a, it's, is this heresy introducing a potato that's not mashed? Tell us about what's going on oh, here God, with the, the don't, burnished, don't the burnished me. potato nuggets. Well, this is one of those moments, you know, where my wife, her one contribution to many meals over the years has just been roasted potatoes. And it was well, one. Gotta, I think you need to renegotiate that marital contract. <laughs> that's not. If you have one contribution, read the that's fine print, good, people. You know. Um, yeah, but but the, but the amazing thing about it was it was kind of like, wait, what are you doing? You know. So here she is. She you know she's she'd be blanching, you know, russet peeled russet potatoes putting a a roasting pan full of hot fat in the oven, heating it up, which just seems like, you know, terrifying. When you say hot fat, you mean like olive oil? Like olive oil. She would probably, you know, she would use um, neutral oil or even like with like a touch of duck fat in it Mm -hmm. if like we Mm -hmm. have it. And, you know, when I sort of dug deeper on what, what are these, she would just be like, these are just these are roasted potatoes where I come from, <laughs> and where is she? From, where is she she's from? She's from England. So, but they're just that good. And you know, in England, you you go to a pub, you know, you get roast dinner, you you know, roast meat, uh, Yorkshire pudding, like kind of steamy vegetables, your crappy Brussels sprouts you mentioned, but you get these roast potatoes that have this like unbelievably crackling crisp out exterior. And then this fluffy, kind of pillowy, mm. you know, slightly steamy, you know, tender, creamy. And you interior. like russets for this? Yes. Mm. Yeah. Yes. We, we like all yeah. the way. Because they have you that fluffiness. That. that fluffiness. Whereas for mashed potatoes, we always uh, endorse Yukon Gold that have that more buttery yellow quality. Yeah. So, you're, so you're, you're kind of par cooking them to cook them through, and then you're crisping them up in the super hot fat? Barely exactly. cook through. They're, right? Yeah, barely. They're I mean, like they're, even... they're just, they're soft on the outside. And, yeah. the, and, the, and the trick of the whole thing is that you're, you're boiling them in salted water, both to you know start to season them um but when you drain them the outside is just sort of barely cooked you drain them return them to the pot and then kind of rough them up Ooh, a little bit yes. you toss them around so you, yeah you scruff them you and 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 that kind of knocks like some of like the starch loose and you get this kind of like pillowy kind of coating on the outside of them such that when they are you know kind of you know when they're put into the hot fat in the oven it's just like the depth there's like it 
it's almost as though you've like battered them. Yeah. The all those, all those rough edges become yeah. crunchy. I mean, right. this, is mm-hmm. like a certain that, depth. this is a thing that French fry manufacturers replicate in the French fry. They, they cut the French fries into the shapes, but then they toss the cut fries into potato starch. Yeah, and it I, is, don't, I don't like those. But versions. this is the reason why. Because certain it, hotels it, have that. It gets this like craggy, like mm-hmm. crusty outer thing. But Chris has, you know, figured out how to deliver that through the natural beauty of the Idaho itself. So yeah. it's getting like, that like I'm gonna trust flowery Chris. outside, <laughs> yeah. and then but it's a real thing that yeah. that you would. You would that people are tr- literally trying to engineer. Yep. These were the these. This was the dish that during the tastings I was literally putting potato nuggets into my skirt and like <laughs> folding. Like okay, well that was great, and then going out of there with like an apron filled with these roasted potatoes. The, the They're thing, the, delicious. The, the thing that I think is so good about them is they pair so well with gravy. You know, and I, I, I when I back when I was pitching this, you know, I said like clearly from the beginning. Pitching, pitch, pitching is not a football metaphor. <laughs> Sorry, back when I oh god, back uh, when mm, I don't know. Mm. Like training camp. Yeah. Uh, okay. Exactly. Or, All right. There we uh, go. <laughs> um, Back when you were trying out. Yeah. Like, yeah trying out. Trying yeah, these out. Trying to make. Trying to make the roster. So yeah, I basically, you know, I just said, look, you know, if there's one thing the English have figured out, you know, it's that a crispy edged roast potato pairs a lot better with gravy. You yeah. know, that is like that is like what roast dinner is all about and uh, or roast lunch. And for me, like a mashed potato is a beautiful thing, but I don't necessarily need like soft, fatty gravy on top of like soft, fatty mashed potatoes. You know, there's just not like enough of a contrast there. But you put that luscious gravy on top of a crispy edge potato and there's just, you know, there's magic. I'm I'm tempted to argue you with you on that you one, but I'm, but I'm like, but I'm like, I'm sure. Hmm. Yeah, I'm like, but I know, I'm like, but I, but I can gonna, tell you're thinking I, about yeah, it. Yeah, I'm going to think about that. All right. So, Carla. Uh, before we get to dessert, yeah, you specifically requested yeah. to discuss the dry rubbed turkey breast. Yeah, I've never really had it for the white meat in general. Like I, I don't <laughs> think it's the best part of the turkey, and I know I'm not alone in that. It is where there's a very perfect ratio of skin to turkey meat, yeah. which I like about it. But generally, I it, when we're roasting a whole bird, I'm like dark meat or bust you know Mm -hmm. this is if i had to crash thanksgiving with extra turkey and just like randomly show up with like a (laughs) a boot full it would be the breast what i love about this recipe is that by separating the breast from the rest of the bird but keeping the bone in you are eliminating all of the problems of roasting whole turkeys which is that the internal temperature of the leg and the internal temperature of the breast when they're optimized is not the same temperature. So it's like giving yourself, really stacking the deck in your favor so that the breast is going to be really perfect. It is kind of got this like great expanse of real estate that's perfect for seasoning. And then you can just totally control the cooking and like really nail your internal temperature. You can dial it into the exact temperature you want. And it's perfect. And then you have something that's really easy to carve. It's really easy to slice. It's great for sandwiches. It has a ton of flavor and you get all the, the delicious brown skin. Yeah, we call for one six pound skin on bone in and that's the important thing, skin on, yeah. bone in, yep. uh, turkey breast, patted dry. Um, say it's about eight servings, and you do a dry rub with coriander seeds, fennel seeds, black peppercorns, 
Diamond Crystal or Morton's Kosher Salt uh, and light brown sugar, and you just rub it up. And again, if you don't have those other dry spices that Adam just mentioned, the key things are the ratio of the salt and the sugar. Yeah. Yep. So like, it doesn't matter whatever dry spice you like. If your your family likes coriander, yep. fantastic. You want anise instead of fennel. I, I don't care, but make sure that your salt sugar ratio is right, and you follow the rest of the instructions, and you will have just perfect turkey meat. Time for dessert. Okay. All right. I feel like the I feel like maybe I'm wrong. But I feel like the hit, the hit single from the November issue is going to be the glazed and flaky apple tart. Yes? No? What do you think? It's this, definitely would, a crowd pleaser. That, I mean, that would probably be my favorite. It's certainly the most them. Instagrammable of the desserts in this issue. Can you, can you guys talk about it? That can yeah. be one quality that is I, Listen, I'm not, I haven't even had the thing. <laughs> I'm just saying I've see, it seems like people are into taking photos of this and making yeah. it. So it's like a, it's a, a rectangular puff pastry sort of creation mm-hmm. with halved glazed apples on top, like the whole thing, like four by four or whatever with the little inside scooped out and they get all burnished and tawny and glazed and it's very pretty looking. It's, it's it's large format. Yep. It's apple all the apple pie flavors. It's easier than pie. It's a lot e- easier than easier pie. Easier than pie. Let's easier start. than pie. Easier than pie. <laughs> yeah, I mean the so the the trick there is just you're roasting those apple halves ahead of time so you're kind of like you're putting a little bit of bourbon, vanilla, I mm. think there's a little bit of maybe like orange. Mm. Um so you that roasts so the apples then don't kind of sog out the crust later on when you oh, go to like cook them yeah, yeah. on the crust. Um, the flavors in that, there's just something it, like it, like that. The fruitiness when you, you you know you get when you combine like vanilla and apple and um, and bourbon is just off the chain, and um, it's it's delicious. And I think it just there is something like so just like pleasing and satisfying. Like you know everybody is gonna get like you know one half of an apple yeah. with like the square of pastry that kind of belongs you know to yeah. it. Uh, and underneath, I, and I also like so you've got this sort of this mattress of puff pastry, and then you scatter toasted sliced almonds on it before yep. you lay in. It's the al- almonds and flour, like a very a simple streusel, like yeah. almonds and flour mixed together, which both help absorb any residual moisture that's still coming off of the apple, but also the almonds get really toasty, crunchy yep. in that second roasting time. I love that. We call and it's we, great. We call for. If you would like a shortcut puff pastry recipe, I'm just gonna go buy puff pastry. Is that okay? I think that would be fine. That that's absolutely fine. Yeah, it would it would absolutely work fine. Yeah, you do. I'm this actually cool. I'm actually not asking for your permission. That's I'm just cool. Telling let you us know. Hey, I'm gonna go hey, buy Adam, it. Yeah. gram it. I'll and, gram it and, and let, let you know. Us know. But the cool thing is the way you cut, you cut it into a rectangle and then you trim off strips from all four sides of the rectangle and you stack those to yeah. make a double height and then those puff up and become the little like the little border wall yeah, for your. Like a little, like, sandbox. I'm sorry, I said border wall, everyone. It oh, becomes <laughs> a little, um, you know, it's just holding everybody in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that that is called the glazed and flaky apple tart. Finally, I, I have not, I did not have this one, but the cranberry Linzer tart. Do we like that? Do I like cranberries for dessert? I didn't know you could do that. Do you I? Do. Yeah, we did the cranberry curd pie. Hugely you know, famous recipe. Two or three also years ago. Also on the Instagram. Hugely yeah. famous. Because it was like bright, like fuchsia color. Yeah. I like that Lind. I like a tart, sour tart. It's like if you like a lemon curd dessert yeah. or you like something very, you know, punchy. I think it's a great addition. 
the Linzer dough intimidated me a little bit. Did it? It's a short crust. It's a short crust. So you press in the bottom, you layer exactly. in your kind of cooked cranberry filling, and then you do this kind of like l- rough lattice on right. top. Right. So you don't have to dough. really go over, under, yeah. over, Nothing under. Nothing too crazy. Nothing too crazy. Yeah. And I think she has you rolling it out between parchment so that it's, you know, Control good insurance. And, I, would, yeah. I would say this. I think with desserts, like I don't. I don't, I don't like to have too many desserts. I don't want to have like, to put five slices of pie on my plate so I don't annoy someone. Like, well, why, three? Did you, why did you try my pie? I'm like, <laughs> well. but I do like if you're going to do like two desserts, they should be balanced. You should have like one mm-hmm. sweet and rich and one maybe tart and acidic or whatever. You know, there should be like if you're going to have pecan pie, then this is a nice rejoinder to that or something. Totally. Um, okay, guys. Thank you very much for talking new recipes for the Thanksgiving table. You can find all these recipes in the current issue of Bon Appetit uh, on stands like, oh, probably now-ish. And it's then, the one or, with the yeah. turkey yeah, on the cover. turkey on the cover. Or you can find them <laughs> at bonappetit.com. Or you can sign up for our newsletter at tinyletter.com slash foodcast. And every week we will mail you all the recipes we talk about on the pod. Right now we're going to take a break, and we will be back soon with listener questions. All right, we are now back with listener questions. Lots of turkey questions. Eric Kim from Washington, D.C., and John Phillips from Clemens, North Carolina. Uh, They both inquired about the spatchcock turkey. John was considering grilling it. Uh, Eric was talking about watching your video, Carla, and asking about, you know, if he goes with a bigger size, how does that affect affect cooking time and doneness temperature and whatnot. You seem to be the spatchcock queen. Uh, let's talk talk to, talk to us about it. And what do you, what should we know? I don't. I, does the world need to hear me talk about spatchcock and yes, turkey maybe. anymore? Yeah, clearly. Okay, so I I heavily endorse spatchcocking your turkey if you're going to be roasting or grilling it. One of the things it does is sort of like equalize the thickness of the meat. So instead of this like giant cavity with the white meat sitting out perched up top, you got everything opened up like a book. A lot of skin exposure quick roasting time, no drying out. And to be clear, just for anyone who doesn't know what spatchcock means, we're talking like butterflied. Like, butterflied. Yeah. And, so you, and you can ask your butcher to do this you, for you. Definitely. Yeah. And even if you're going into a supermarket where you're taking a whole bird out of the, the cold case, just walk it over to the butcher case. You might have to wait a few minutes, hand it over the thing and be like, Cut Can the backbone please? out for yeah. me. Keep the backbone. It's great for making you might, your stock. You might want to slip them 10 bucks or something. Yep, sure. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. the holidays. Maybe. Yeah, it's, it's the holidays. The holidays. Um, if you're going to grill, I would go the next step, and I would um, do a split turkey. So in addition to taking out the, the oh. backbone, cutting through the breastbone so that you have the two perfect halves. And the advantage of that is really just maneuverability on, yes. on the grill. It's just easier to turn them over. They cook in one you, hour. Yeah. One it's hour. Really, wow. So fast. And, and, about, I, and what size bird do you recommend? T- for we that? always call for a 12 to 14. It's manageable. It's manageable. The roasting time is sort of the right amount to not get you into the dryness zone. The longer, the longer you spend exposed to the dry heat of the oven, the bigger chance you have of drying out. And obviously, a grill is a grill. You could only have so much real estate in the oven. Instead of scaling up, generally, we call for That's just second. a second bird. Mm, yes. Or in this case, look up the um, roasted t- turkey breast, and you can supplement like a whole bird with a breast and have extra meat to go around. Question on the grill, is say if you're doing charcoal, do you do sort of like a donut of coals around the, the bird so it's not directly underneath heat? Ye old ring of fire? Yes. Yes. You can also bank to one side, so yeah. so so it all works. But I've made <laughs> I've made that barbecue spice brined um, grilled turkey more than once, and it, it's a great recipe. I might have to do that this year. 
That reminds you of my confit dark meat, which I love. The other thing that's great about grilling is you're outside it's away your from outside. it. outside. Oh. You're on your own. You're, you're drinking your drink. You're alone. Oh, and I got a gas gr- a grill this year. Yeah. A fancy Lynx grill. Yeah, you're what? like, bye, yeah. I'll yeah. be. Lynx, you devil. Yeah. Chris, I'm going to hit you with this one because yeah. you um, are one of the recipe developer editors for our Healthy-ish website. Sure. Uh, so I like this one for you. Uh, Sarah Keel from Utah writes, I have a few family members who are lactose sensitive. Butter is okay but cream and milk are not. Is there any way to make mashed potatoes that aren't the worst? It seems like almond, soy, coconut milk, et cetera, give the potatoes a weird taste. Uh, a weird sweet taste, she asks. I, I mean, this is like maybe highly unorthodox and I have to put my like healthy-ish sort of title on hold here for a second, but I would just probably make them extra buttery yeah. and frankly add a, like a touch of water. I mean, there's I so much the, potato water, the, the starchy, yeah, like starchy, starchy yeah. yeah, like that starchy kind of cooking water. Because I think if you if butter is a fair is you know fair play, um, just making them a little bit extra buttery. And frankly, to your point, Adam, you know, yes, go with like a Yukon Gold potato, you know, or even like a, a red skin potato, something that's like ultra creamy. I mean, if you really insist on having this sort of potato, like you can also do the thing where you do like this sm- kind of the smash potato with olive oil where you just have, yeah. in a pot, you kind of smash them together and you got olive oil and a lot of like fresh mint or herbs in mm-hmm. there. And it's just like, it's not the traditional mashed potatoes, but yeah. you, it, if you have to acknowledge you're not making traditional mashed potatoes, totally. olive oil and butter together, oh, like you, don't, you don't need any milk. Olive oil and yeah. butter together, smash them up tender, add some herbs, salt, and you're, you're good to go. Yeah. I love that. that. I would work. definitely add the potato cooking liquid for a just little loosen the, it up a little. Yeah. yeah. Just the liquid, but, but, but be careful not to over season that liquid, that liquid because yeah. you're, you're adding salt. All right. Carla. Marissa Eskridge, not Melissa Etheridge. That was her name? What's her name with the big hit single back yeah, in the day? Ma- yeah. Heck yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marissa Eskridge from Phoenix, Arizona. What is your favorite recipe for savory mashed sweet potatoes? Um, I don't like mashed sweet potatoes, but I do like the notion of savory sweet potatoes. And we've done some of that. Can you Can you talk us through a few that you like? Yes and no. I think I like that the, there's a recipe we were just talking about, so someone else can chime in with the actual recipe name. I like those charred sweet potatoes with tomb, which is not mash. Explain it's tomb. It's like tomb is a garlicky, it's a basically a very garlicky aioli. So that recipe on the site is called charred sweet potato with tomb. With tomb. T-O-U-M. You, you roast the potatoes for tenderness, and then you glaze them with honey and char them and serve them with this very garlicky it's basically a garlic aioli. It's garlic aioli, that but doesn't no have egg. egg. So yeah. it's like this crazy emulsion. It's a crazy. It's like a miracle and it's, sauce. And yeah. it's <laughs> it's it's delicious. It's got a lot of fresh lemon juice. Um, another pairing that I really like for sweet potatoes is spice. So if you steam your sweet potatoes so they don't get all weird and leathery, but steam the sweet potatoes until they're totally tender and then mash them with butter and some um, chipotle chilies from the can, the chipotle liquid and chopped up chipotle chilies, you'll get a really nice smokiness with the sweet. You can add a little honey, the butter, that is delicious. You can roast it twice, Mm -hmm. totally works out. I also love the recipe that our buddy Andy Bergani did last year, roasted sweet potatoes with chili yogurt and mint. Our friend Gabe T makes this all the time, and you sort of roast the sweet potatoes, then you tear them up, and then you roast them again so they get all crispy, and there's like this chili, like kind of limey, yogurty, minty sauce that goes with them. Really, really, really good. Now, that's not mash. You specifically wanted mash, yeah. but hopefully these are these are enough options. I think you don't have to go the mash route. Like My, my feeling is also, like you, if you have 
mashed potatoes at the table. Why do you need mashed sweet potatoes? You should do something that ha- introduces a different shape or texture or I something. I think that people grow have, who have grown up on very sweet, the mashed potato casserole with the with the yeah, it's, marshmallows. That's disgusting. They, but they people are attached to the idea of having no, a sweet no. potato Turn casserole. Turn the page. Turn the page. <laughs> Introduce something new. 2018 for... Uh, anyways, all right. We're moving on from uh, the sweet potatoes, but both those ones, with the, the charred sweet potatoes with tomb and the roasted sweet potatoes with chili yogurt and mint are highly recommended. And also in our newest uh, issue, in the Bon Appetit issue, uh, also in the uh, November Bon Appetit, uh, shingled sweet potatoes with harissa. Uh, we talk a lot about harissa. Um, explain that quickly. I mean, the, the harissa is a, a Moroccan spice blend yeah. that has chilies and and lots of dry spices in it. They'll the recipes will vary from brand to ba- brand, and so will the spice level. But it's just a great example of how sweet potatoes, because of their natural starchiness and their sugars and their their kind of intense sweet flavor, can take a lot of um, other seasoning. Yeah. So har- harissa is like a great pairing for that. And um, these you slice up into coins, and yep. you talk, they get all glazed with the harissa, yep. and you sort of layer them into a, a baking casserole, and they get chopped up uh, pistachio on top. Yep. Delicious. Lots of texture, lots Be- of spice. Also, crowd pleaser visually. Also good for the Instagram. Great again, for the with, Again with the Instagram. <laughs> all right. This is a, this is a um, sort of an essential question. Uh, Chris, Jenna Bingham from San Francisco. What are your gravy tips? What happens if you don't get enough drippings from the gravy? Should I use turkey stock from the grocery store? People freak out about gravy. We have a recipe in our new issue that is completely do ahead and actually works. Absolutely. Yeah. It's the umami gravy uh, that Andy did. And that's the thing, you know, gravy is always this last minute thing. I feel like I've literally spent hours of my life waiting for Thanksgiving dinner to begin because my aunt is like literally making the gravy and it's not reduced enough and the seasoning's not right. And everybody's like freaking out and getting, you know, hungry and cranky because they had Jack Daniels like all afternoon or whatever. But yeah, so this is a completely make ahead gravy that, you know, you're using um, the turkey neck and like other kind of like you could use like other, you know, giblets and trim, you know, as well. But make the gravy ahead you know you can always use you know you can taste you know your drippings and you know if they're if if you want to deglaze them and add them in you can absolutely do that you know strain them and add them at the last minute but have your your base you know make your turkey stock ahead um, you can always buy store bought, but if you can 100%. make it yourself, this is this is the one day a year. You know, we would absolutely make the argument do it from scratch. But making that base ahead and having your gravy done, it's a huge, huge, huge time saver. And then the you're end. like, if you get drippings, cool. Yeah, then it's like it's gravy on the gravy. It's gravy. It's all but, gravy. But yeah, because if you're but also if you're, you don't need it, you're you have total control. You're making this on Tuesday. Exactly. So it's, this search for it, uh, bonapete.com, or in the issue is called umami gravy, and that umami sort of mono comes because we add a little soy sauce to it and that a little, little bit something of something shiitake mushroom too yeah. just quietly in there yeah all right we have this uh next section of questions emma titled dealing with other people um <laughs> deborah backman uh we will be guests this year and are attending a tea day dinner at the home of a relative who is a great cook and turns out a reliably delicious feast every year but as a passionate cook myself i feel like i'm missing out in the fun to not cook anything myself any ideas for what to bring a fun little extra or bonus that will impress the family without looking like I'm trying to show up the host? Although, let's face it, I kind of am. Can I, I field this one? Yeah. I, I have I have a two, two cents as well, but please, Carla, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, Deborah, 
don't look a gift horse in the mouth. What does that mean? <laughs> that means so no, that one, no, one, no one knows what that actually means. But anyways, what's your point? My point is what you got a great thing going. Somebody else wants to host. She wants to do the whole thing. You're admitting that she's a great cook. You can host a dinner party any other day. Like you don't have to go. Just be happy to be there. And if you want to contribute something, if you really genuinely want to contribute something to somebody else's um, evening and they're a great cook, ask her what she wants you to bring and then bring that. Now, but you, the, host, shaking the, host, the host is going to say bring a bottle of wine. That's fine. No, but she wants... Devra wants to make us splash. Just Let right. Devra okay. get in the game. Carla, Carla, you made your point. Chris, what do you have to say? Devra, you know, I have to say in this kind of situation, bring like a show-stopping pie or dessert. That way, you know, if you if you're if you think you're gonna bring some side dish and then like, you know, get real estate, you know, from the host to like heat it up and like, oh, but can I borrow a platter or some dish, you know, like they are gonna hate you. <laughs> but if you just show up with a pie that looks like, you oh. know, absolute okay, dynamite. Yeah, no, but, but but what if you bring a pecan pie? The host already made a pecan pie. Mm, I yeah, feel like you can get intel not ahead even of time. Make it onto the sideboard. At my no, mind. but you yeah. just bring oh, it I out, and once people see kitchen. it, they're going to want to eat it. Carla, what, come on. What about this? What about if you just bring some like nice like um, spiced nuts for cocktail hour? Kind of warm, you know, still warm with all the like the rosemary and chilies and stuff, and you, you set do those that. out. You could also a nice bring little thing, and if the host can like save them for later, it's so kind of a, a horse you can put gift or something. Yeah. Yeah. You could also bring some really nice chocolates that are not going to upstage. No, but she wants the to desserts. make something. She wants something homemade to bring because she wants. Cause I think Deborah should go for it. I think Deborah should host a Christmas party. <laughs> Deborah, you are not getting an invitation <laughs> to the Lolly household this year. Sorry, dude. All right, now we're going to move on to the general prep timing slash stressing section. Michaela Tier Tierney? Tierney? I'm not sure how you pronounce your name, Michaela, but I hope that was close enough. I'm making Thanksgiving for my future in-laws this year, and it's my first time ever cooking a turkey or preparing a full Thanksgiving meal. No pressure. I'm already planning ahead on recipes and timing. Turkey brines, day ahead, prep size. Love the the, uh, the parens, Michaela. Um, <laughs> you should come work at Bon Appetit. <laughs> but I know things will inevitably end up super hectic and stressful as hell on the day of. True. What's your go-to move to keep your cool in the kitchen as hostess while also balancing all of the cooking? So can we yeah, maybe go through like sort of tips, guys, for like, again, like, how do you maintain your sanity? How do you not like kill your spouse? How do you like remember to shower? All those things in terms of the day of and executing the meal. I would say just a, a global rule, do fewer dishes. I yes. think, especially if you're hosting for the first time and you're like, oh, all every, every Thanksgiving you ever had, you're gonna add up all of those dishes and expect that you should serve all of them. Don't. You can get away with making six things, five of which can be made ahead of time. You need to simplify fewer dishes, an abundant amount of food. You will be in great shape. Also, don't be afraid to delegate. So if you have a mother-in-law who's very excited to come and knows that you haven't hosted before, you know, give her a job. Like outsource. Uh, Danielle Sanders uh, from Scottsdale, Arizona, had a similar sentiment. She says, um, I always joke that it's not Thanksgiving unless I'm crying on the kitchen floor at some point. (laughs) Ha ha. And talk about doing stuff ahead. We have both, you know, in terms of doing stuff ahead, we talked about the do-ahead gravy we have in the current issue. Uh, We also talked about do-ahead mashed potatoes and also reheating those gently and then adding some milk or cream as you reheat because as the potatoes stand or sit or cool, they will tighten up. Yep. Uh, but you can do those ahead as well. I, I'm a big proponent of, um, I love the to-do list, literally taping a list to the side of your fridge with everything you have to do that day and just crossing them out with the Sharpie as you go. Because 
you're always going to forget something. Yeah. You're like, oh, I forgot to go to the store to buy bottled fancy fizzy water for the table. There's right. going to be something. Or I, oh, forgot about ice. Just seeing that visually in front of you, I love to do it. That really helps me sort of mentally sort of conquer the day. Chris, what about you in terms of organizational techniques? Yeah, I think it's it's having that game plan. And I think to your point, Carla, it's it's setting reasonable expectations. And I, I think like 36-hour Thanksgiving that we did a couple of years ago that yeah. Claire did was just really smart in terms of making really smart um, choices about dish selection. Yeah. And not everything has to be like a massive statement, you know, like stuffing can become a massive project. Like Claire's from that year, you know, it was a little bit more like a, a savory bread pudding. No one's going really to be, no one's, no, everybody's going to love it. You know, it's like, and in, in, in if you're freaked out by pie, you know, the apple pan dowdy she made, you know, a couple of years ago, it's, it's so easy. It's like store-bought puff pastry and then like beautiful kind of glazy, delicious, like apple, yep. you know, with like cinnamon and butter and all kinds going on. And people are going to love it. People what? have a hard time enjoying themselves if they know that you're... A rat. Freaking out, yes. you know, yeah, they're and like, so they're, they're just like grimace face emoji. They're like, God, are you you're okay? you're hosting, you're feeding people. That goes a, a really long way. Mike Karen, quote unquote, first time caller, long time listener. Thanks for that joke, Mike. <laughs> and uh, Daniel Dunn or Frederick Maryland, they have a similar question. Daniel writes, uh, my boyfriend and I are attending Thanksgiving at his mom's house in Bethesda, Maryland. Shout out Bethesda, uh, about an hour away. Uh, she is extremely busy, has us to help cook, yada yada. My question is, what would be the best foods that we could prepare ahead of time and reheat? So we won't come in and destroy the kitchen for 12 hours. And yeah, it seems like there are certain dishes. If you're, if someone asks you to bring something, certain things travel well, certain things don't. What do you, what your guy, what do you like to actually bring to the, someone's house if you have to bring something? I actually made a list when I read this question of like what, how, what can you take away from the Thanksgiving menu and still have it feel like a Thanksgiving dinner? And almost everything can be made ahead with the, I would say, the exception of the turkey. turkey. Although I did examine that. Like, if you do a braised, if you... We're, no, 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 Adam, no, no we're not, we're not the going braised, there. No, legs, you made those confit braised legs. You could oh, totally yeah, so bra- you so could you just, braise the legs. You just bring the pot. You bring, like, the cruset yeah, or stout pot. Yeah, you could actually do make-ahead turkey. Oh, or the yeah. turkey could be the only thing that you put, really, that you need to, like, cook when you from raw... But we figured out how to do potatoes, gravy, pie, a salad dressing. Yeah, I would and then- say this. I would say what we've also talked about in terms of in terms of how much you are sort of insinuating yourself into the cooking process. Like sometimes, like you don't want it to ask someone for real estate on the stove or in right. the oven. Um, what you talked about before, like the broccoli Caesar, or we have that kale Brussels salad that we love in Bon Appetit. It's all shaved with the almonds and stuff. Um, we can have it in a bag. You can have your dressing in a little jar. You can even bring a salad bowl if you want. Right. And you're like, all right, just let me know when to toss it, and I'll toss it. Like right. That sort of stuff is great. The pie, the things that don't require heating or whatnot is really nice. Yeah. And like you said, not showing up at 1 p.m. because you need to do all this stuff when you're at the, that location. That, yeah. All right. Finally, we have some questions about leftovers from Jody Silberstein in Red Bank, New Jersey, and Lorcan Shannon, originally from Ireland, who now lives in New York City. They want to know about leftovers, but you know what, guys? We're not going to answer your leftover questions because we're having a special bonus podcast on Friday devoted exclusively to leftovers. Carla, me, and our friend Gabe T. True story. Talking about the best things to do with your Thanksgiving leftovers. So, guys, tune in, everyone, on Friday. Uh, two days after this pod and check it out Chris thanks so much thank you Carla as always always the Bon Appetit Foodcast is produced by Carrie Polis and Christina Che 
and produced and edited by Emma Wurtzman. Our theme music is by Nathaniel Wurtzman. We have new episodes every Wednesday, and if you want to tell us about this or any other episode, email us at bonappetitfoodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.